Good morning, Rock Bible Church. How are you? Uh, it's good to be here this morning, and uh, it's been a full week, and I just want to um, uh, reiterate all the things that uh, Bryce just shared with us, you know, and they can be found on the website. Men's ministry, we've got a little uh, fun little thing coming up uh, this week. We're finishing the last lesson of our book, first book, uh, so the Authentic Manhood, uh, book one, the guys know it as the green book. Uh, we're going to be finishing that this week. So uh, kind of cool that our men have gone through this whole thing. Monday nights at uh, 7, Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. Uh, but the exciting news is then uh, the next week we begin book two, winning at work and winning at home. And uh, that's the blue book. Uh, we'd love for you guys to come join us. It's a great time to jump in because it's a natural starting point and the whole thing. And yes, you're going to hear me harp on it next Sunday as well, okay? Because it's a good time to start. Uh, so that's how uh, that's what we're doing. And then um, just wanted to let you know. Uh, sometimes these things happen, and and you you hear nothing about them. But you know, we had a um, we had a little tragedy, a big tragedy in our community a, a while back. Two ladies passed, and um, the family asked us to do uh, the ceremony. So we did a celebration of life on Friday. There was almost 400 people. Uh, the family asked me to share the gospel. Brendan Clark, first worship pastor of Rock Bible Church, was asked to come and uh, sing some, lead some songs, Amazing Grace. Um, it was out in a field, and there was a barn. Uh, great pictures and the whole thing. Um, but it was just a, a reminder of uh, part of what we do as Christians and as a church is uh, we show up. When it's when it's rough, and so um, I was able to do that. My wife uh, Julie and I we went and and did that with a couple other people. And just so you know, uh, your your ongoing involvement in Rock Bible Church allows us to continue to do those kind of things. And I just wanted to make sure it's said out loud. Um, you come into more contact as a congregation than I do by myself. And at times, tragedies and things will happen, and they, people need help, and that's our ministry. It is what God calls us to. And so if you get an opportunity to engage with those people and invite them here or ask them how we can help them, whether it's put on a ceremony or whatever, uh, please make sure that, that um, you consider yourself an agent of the church at that point. Okay? Amen? Amen. All right. Now... I'm a little excited because we're starting a new series this morning, and uh, I was looking at it, and I was trying to, well, I'm not going to get into the whole process, but I thought, you know what, we're not going to do a whole chapter at a time. We're going to do Colossians, and we're going to break them in, chapters into two sermons, so we're going to do like half of chapter one and then half of chapter two. You knew I couldn't get away from doing the exegetical thing all the way through the book, uh, but we're going to take them in, in, in a little bit smaller chunks. Colossians is a, an amazing book. It's one of these epistles uh, that Paul wrote. Uh, we, I like to think of them as uh, my Sunday school teacher taught me to remember, go eat popcorn. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Um, that's the acronym. So this is how I work, folks. If you haven't gotten used to it, well, sorry, not sorry. Um, but it's, uh, uh, it's the last of the four books uh, in, the, in the scriptures. 
Um, but it's, it's Paul writing to a church and people in Colossae and, and saying, hey, here's how you do life. And, uh, you know, it kind of ties in a little bit to what we did at Easter and, and the Sunday after Easter. Uh, you know, at, at Easter, we talked about lo- looking for life. Uh, the weekend after Easter, we talked about life after the cross. And uh, this book, Colossians, is really going to help us look at, well, ongoing, what are the tips, tricks, tracks that I can use to keep me moving forward in my relationship with the Lord? Uh, uh, because most of the year is not holiday, right? Amen. Holidays are exhausting, right? All the family and the food prep and the whole thing and not enough sleep. And... Anyways, uh, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to get started and uh, we're going to go uh, here from verse 1, chapter 1, but I'm going to pray first. So, Lord, thank you for this morning and thank you for your word. Thank you for people like Paul. Thank you, Lord, in some ways more for people like us and what your word does for us, to us, with us. And I pray, Lord, that we would see what happens in the next eight weeks uh, as you um, calling us to yourself, with yourself, for yourself. To God, for God, with God. And I pray, Lord, that that would be something we try to do every time we look at Scripture, every time we pray, every time we serve, that we would see ourselves as agents of yours. And so uh, bless this time, Lord. Uh, Thank you for all the things that have been mentioned so far. Uh, But Lord, help us to dive into your word in this next few moments. Ask for the blessing of your spirit and guidance in honor of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love what the family said. They said, when you share, we want to make sure that everybody hears about eternal life. I'm like, all right. Marching orders. Here we go. Hey, let's see what we can find out about uh, regular life. Right? Eternal life is important, but uh, eternal life starts when? Now. It starts today, right? doesn't begin after you die. No, no, no. It starts right now. This is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Whoops. What's, what's his, um, what are his qualifications? Right? <laughs> I, w- I, w- I think I want to start going around when somebody says, hey, who are you or why did you do that? Was, God said. It's because God said, like, if I can back everything with God, right? Actually, wait, no, that's how the church has gotten in trouble for millennia, right? Running around, doing whatever they want, and saying, well, it's God's will. Ooh, Scott, we were having so much fun, and then you just brought it down. Uh, Super important for us to ask the question, do we believe it? Do we believe Paul? is an apostle of Christ Jesus because God said so. Uh, it's it's kind of good argument and hard to fight against when everybody before us has decided that he's qualified to have 13 books, 13 letters in the New Testament. The most prolific writer of all time. No, I don't know about that. But uh, God must be doing something, because you can check, you can do an experiment, 
you can watch and observe and say, well, what did we get from Paul, out of Paul? How did he act? What did he say? And I think one of the great things for us to remember, uh, it, because people attack Paul probably more than anybody else when it comes to biblical writers, um, that he has stood the test of time. You can take Colossians and you can compare it to Ephesians or Timothy or any of Thessalonians, any of these other books and say, hey, does this stuff all match up? Does it line up? Now, yeah, we'll get confused at times. Well, I'm kind of, how do these go together again? We need to look at whether that's just our confusion or did he have it off? So far, he's batting a thousand with me. Now, I'm not batting a thousand. I've been confused many times at some of the things he writes, and sometimes it takes me a lot longer, and a few of them I'm still working on, right? Which kind of bugs me, because I'm not diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I'm OCD, okay? Um, but the question is, do we give Paul the authority that he says God has given him? Ooh, that's a fun exercise. Uh, because now what that also does is gets us in the practice of when do we give authority or acknowledge authority or with people and things around us when we're not sure. Like who's an authority? One of the phrases I like to uh, use a lot is uh, what are, who are the voices that you listen to? Which voices do you listen to? Now, my dad calls, he can say pretty much, my mom calls, I'm li those are voices I listen to. Julie, I come running, <laughs> right? Um, I'm not talking about so much the ones, the easy ones for you. Well, you know, if God told me to do, I would for sure, I would absolutely, I'd drop everything. In it. No, I'm talking about what if God's working through Fred, and you're kind of, you got questions about Fred, because let's be honest, we all have questions about Fred, right? For those of you watching at home and wondering why we're so hard on Fred, currently we don't have any Freds in the church, so it's a safe name, okay? We're not anti-Fred either, so don't go blowing that trumpet either. But it's the idea of how often do we look for God working in ways, mysterious ways, that are different than what we thought. They catch us by surprise. They say, I wouldn't have done it that way. And yet, I have to test and see, is God in it? Right? Scripture says, test the spirits and then hold on to what is good. What's implied in there? You're going to be testing some things that are wrong and you got to set them aside. And then you're going to test some things that you had questions about. And at some point, you're going to have to say, eh. I might be need to be an authority. That might need to be a standard. I may need to change my position. Uh, so far, I'm 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 kind of having fun with changing my position. There's some things that I changed my position on since I was like six, right? In the last forty-five years, um, I I've I have I am not the same person. Right? Spinach is not as bad as I thought it was. 
right? Popeye helped me a little bit. And this is a goofy example. Uh, but there's some other things in my relationship with the Lord that I've absolutely changed my position on. Like doctrine of evil. When do bad things happen to good people? And what does that actually mean? And how do you define those things? I'm okay with God doing some things that I would call evil. And then I find out later they weren't evil at all. They were really good. I just didn't like them. And I'm, okay, I'm, I'm becoming more and more okay with a God who functions like that. So, uh, long story short, is he an authority? Let's find out. We're going to find out over the next eight weeks if you buy it. Right? Uh, he's selling something. First and foremost is that he's an apostle by the will of God. Uh, secondly, all the instruction that would come out, out of that is what he's selling. Right? It's to Timothy, our brother, Wow, you mean there's more than first and second Timothy? Yes, there are. Which one's this? This third Timothy? Or, right? Who knows? All we know is Timothy's pretty good. He's got at least three letters, right? From Paul, that's pretty good. Uh, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. All right? So, Paul and Timothy are working together on this letter, and, and they've got a target audience, and we're going to see if we connect with that church, that congregation. Uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for, and, uh, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Wait a minute. This doesn't sound right. We always thank God for church people. Take tongue, insert in cheek. What's he saying? Always we pray for, we're thankful for. We look for the churches we like, the churches we get along with, the churches we agree with, the churches we understand. No, he says, you know, always, we pray for you. Why? Because you have faith. Does it say anything about them being perfect? No. Does it say what they got right, what they got wrong? No. He says, hey, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ by the will of God, and so therefore, always I support the church. I support you guys, period. Now, why did Paul write 13 letters? Any guesses? How many of those 13 letters were written to, written to uh, situations that were peachy keen, everything smooth, copacetic, right? All 13 letters were because he had a problem with something that was going on, right? And yet he writes the letters and says, hey, I'm going to pray for you no matter what. I'm going to keep working on it with you. I'm staying in the game. We're on a team together, Right? Love that. Great for us to remember as uh, Christians and as church people and Christ followers that, um, as my friend Manoli used to say, we don't make enemies. We only make friends. Right? Love, love Manoli. Wish he hadn't moved away. Uh, okay, verse 4. Here we go. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Here's why. Not because you're perfect. Here's why we pray for you. Here's why we support you. Here's why we, we value your faith. Not because you've done well, but because I know where you're headed. Where are we all headed? Right? 
Two are pretty sure. The rest of you have questions about each other, right? I'm not sure. They might be on the highway to, you know, whatever. Uh, uh, I hope they make it, right? Um, he says, look, where they're from, what they've done, what they look like, how they think, how they feel, their physical condition, none of that matters. This is all-inclusive as it's ever been. Full acceptance. Why? Because he knows where God wants people to go. Who has an option, an opportunity at salvation? Everyone. All people. Everyone has a shot at that. In fact, that's what the family wanted. They said, hey, when you present this celebration of lives, I want, we want everybody to hear about eternal life. It was the weirdest thing. I thought that was a happy statement. You know what they did, the two of them? As they're saying that, they start crying. I'm like, oh, that is not fair. Because they start crying, and then what happened? I start crying. We're crying because we're going to talk about eternal life. It's the value, the importance when, like, when things are really serious, and you start marking what's important. Wow, we want to make sure everybody has a shot at it. Everybody hears about it because this is the destination where we're supposed to. We're finally supposed to be there, right? So that's that's what qualifies us. Uh, by the way, good news for you because uh, it qualifies you, huh? Ooh, ooh, we have found something in common with Colossae, right? Well, actually, a couple of things. We have faith. We're Christians. We have a church. You know, we're organized a little bit. I know that's questionable, but, uh, but we're also headed to heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Does the gospel bear fruit and increase in the whole world? Does it work? Man, sometimes I question. Sometimes I think it works better out there than it does here in our own town. Where's the hardest place for the gospel to work? With the people you know. Like who, who are you having conversations with? Who are you inviting? I tell you what, I was a little intimidated, 400 people from our community. I'm standing up in front of them, a lot of them not church people, saying, hey, it was very important for the family to make sure that it was presented and clear that it, you have the, uh, the opportunity of salvation in Christ Jesus. I was a little intimidated. No, not you, Scott. You're never intimidated. Always. Uh, so, if it's bearing fruit in the whole world, could it bear fruit and increase here? Ooh, let me let me ask this question then. If we're a church and we still exist and the door still open once in a while, the power's still on, people are still giving, we're serving and reaching and ministering and missioning, uh, are we supposed to be increasing? Absolutely. Are we supposed to be maintaining? Maybe a little bit, but if we're just maintaining, right? It's a phrase I love about church. If you ain't growing, you're dying, right? 
That's what's been one of the hardest things for me through this last year of pandemic when I can't see people and I don't know who's watching and what are the views on our little social media videos and those kind of things. And if people don't call or, or email or text or so, like, how, how do we know, like, where do we stand as a church? It's rough. As it also does among you. Oh, there we have Paul saying it. That's what we're supposed to be doing too, right? You're starting to feel like a little kinship with the Church of Colossae, I hope. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. It's more than just me saying it, Paul says. He's writing it with Timothy. It's another Timothy letter, right? Uh, but now, we, you heard it from Epaphras too. You're hearing it amongst yourselves. Uh, and by the way, it's based in truth. Right? That was that last word of that last verse. He is a, uh, end of verse 6 there, good job. Uh, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. This is talking about Epaphras. Right? And has made known to us your love in the Spirit. You're carrying this away in such a way that your love is evident. People are picking up on it. Now, newsflash. Here's true about every single person. Here's a universal truth. Wait, there's universal truths, Scott? Yes, there are. And the fact that there's universal truths is a universal truth, right? I love those couple of things. Uh, everyone... Everyone is going to notice something about somebody. You will be noticed. Somebody will pick up something about you. That's a universal truth. No matter who you are, someone will pick up something about you. Someone's going to be noticing what you're doing, right? Especially now with all the cameras everywhere, right? The question is, uh, what are they picking up? What do they pick up from you? What are they gleaning? What's rubbing off? What scent are you leaving? What's the feel when you walk in a room? What's the feel when you walk out of a room? Paul's drawing attention to this idea that we have an effect. And he says, have a love effect. Have a church effect, a Christ effect. That's who we are. That's how we carry ourselves and follow the example of Epaphras. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul's now praying for people, and it's specific. We're going to get into that in our fill-ins here in a little bit. But this idea, hey, we're praying for you. Why? Our church, they've got stuff to do, apparently. He says, I want you to have knowledge and his will. We want you to have wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Why does he want him to have this understanding and this wisdom, this knowledge? Why does he want it? It says, so that you know how to walk. It's how we carry ourselves. It's, it's like a, a few times in the Berglund family history, the recent, I don't mean extended, I, I mean 
me, mine, and Julie and the three monkeys, right? Which no one likes when I call them monkeys, but you got to be accurate, right? Uh, they when and they get that name sometimes because they step off, they fall off the wagon, they step off the path, they do something, knucklehead, and uh, and and I'll, at times I'll stop and I'll say, hey, uh, we don't do that. What do you mean? Burglars don't do that. Well, why? And I explain it to them and the whole thing. But from time to time, uh, they had to have explained to them there are certain ways we walk, certain ways we carry ourselves. There's wisdom behind it and knowledge and understanding. Now, uh, you buying? You're going to follow? You're going to do it? Or we do in discipline? Kid Kitty, what do you want, <laughs> right? Um, so this, this is kind of the same thing. Paul is just saying, look, uh, we got to learn how to walk. And, and by the way, you're doing a good job so far, but there's more to do. Uh, by the way, is there always more to do? Yeah, when's, when's the third service start? Uh, you're on the committee. Right? When's the third service start? It's, it's, it's a Socratic, sarcastic question, right? Because there is no third service right now. But for those of you listening at home, uh, Mike, in all wisdom and spiritual knowledge, said soon. That's when the third service starts, right? Uh, the idea is that we're meant to increase, right? Are we meant to improve things, reach people, help, serve, minister, heal, donate, all that kind of stuff, share the gospel, talk about eternal life, invite people to it? Absolutely. Paul says this is how you do it. With a little wisdom and understanding of his truth, right? And, and, and why do we want to do these things? Look at the last four words. Fully pleasing him. I had somebody ask me. I wish I would have come up with this answer. They said, uh, hey, Scott, I mean, pastor, blah, 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 dad, you're old. I'm like, oh, thank you. Uh, what is the meaning of life? And they were saying it a little bit teasing, a little bit serious, and a little bit being goofy. And I, I went into the, you know, well, you're supposed to love God, love your neighbor. And I, you know, I did a little bit of that. You know, Jesus said, I figure it's a safe answer, right? I wish I would have come back with uh, our purpose in life is to please God. Which purpose in life? Please God. I got a two-word answer. And I'm pretty sure it covers everything. Here's the problem. Like the lawyer who stepped up to test Jesus said, and who is my neighbor, right? Uh, the question is, well, how do you please him? Please God, that's my purpose? Yes. How do I do it? Well, there's a billion ways, I think. Still counting. There's great ways for us to do those things. But one of the markers, one of the measurements, standards for you to know is what I'm doing working? Is what I'm doing important? Does it matter? Should I continue? Is not whether it's cost effective or if your back's sore at the end of the day or if you're getting pushback from people or if you're enjoying yourself, right? Are you getting paid really well? At some point, we have to ask the question, is what I'm doing pleasing God? Man, that has worked so well for me. 
Because there have been some times where I was like, I do not want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do the other. And then I remember, huh? no, that's what I signed up for. It's another one of my favorite phrases. I said, this is what I signed up for, right? The uh, question is, will we sign up for it as well? Uh, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Here's what he wants. Pleasing God. How do we please God? Bear fruit because you did good work and you got smarter. This is like the simplest. For me, this makes so much sense. I tried to do something. It was good and it worked. And I learned something from it. That is pretty much the experimental process for every human ever on anything. You try it. If it's good, you learn something, right? And, and sometimes you say, well, I'm not doing that again, right? Well, how would you call it good? Because I learned what I shouldn't do, right? How would you bear fruit? I, I bore fruit in that I got smarter and maybe I taught someone else that this was the wrong way to do it because they were all watching me as I catastrophically failed. Right? I'm very experienced in that one, by the way. Failing while other people are watching. Uh, being strengthened with all power. Um, is that us being strong or being strengthened? Very different. You being strong is you worked out. You went to the gym. You did a bunch of stuff and you get credit. Being strengthened is something someone else does for you. Who's the someone else in this uh, scenario? We're at church. I asked the question. Say, God. God's the one that strengthened us with all power. That's good because that's accurate. He has all power. According to his glorious might, it's very impressive, his strength. For all endurance, what does that, what does that imply? And what is endurance? What does that word demand of us? When it comes to this process and what we're doing, What's a demand of us, that word endurance? Make it really simple. Keep going. Don't stop, right? Jim Valvano, don't give up, don't ever give up. North Carolina State uh, basketball coach from years past who passed from cancer. One of the last things he said, don't give up, don't ever give up. Well, you know, I, I don't think the church should do this anymore. Oh, really? I'm going to take a few steps back. Just in case, when the strike, lightning comes, I don't want to get hit. Whew. We don't stop what we're doing, right? With all endurance. And what's that word? I'm not familiar with this word. This next word, I, I know a stand. Can somebody please explain? And do it quickly. You got it, right? Doing it quickly means I'm not being what? Patience. <laughs> we should probably do a sermon on patience every month, at least one, right? And then someone still complained that we're, we're not doing it often enough, right? That they had to wait. Uh, why, why is patience important? Because what God wants, what God wants is important and your condition is not wait Scott that's not happy Sunday what do you mean God's not in the business of trying to make sure you're in good condition 
God's in the business of trying to get his stuff done. Now, putting you into good condition might be what he's trying to do. But he might need to shake you a little to get you there. Especially if you're headed the wrong direction. Right? He, many times in my life, has made me very uncomfortable. Let's call it extremely uncomfortable. In fact, I, I very I resonated this morning. Bryce said a line, and you all sang it, this weary soul. I'm like, oh, I recognize him. I've been in that condition many times. And you know what I found out? I'm still here. Wait, what happened to this horrible condition I was in? I got better. Oh, what does that say then? My condition is not ultimate. God's will is. My emotions are not the highest priority. God's will is. My thinking is not sound, has flaws, and God's will does not. It is a, it is a very difficult exercise to learn that word, patience. And then, and then it just like takes a knife and like, <clears throat> let me just give you a nice little jab right here at the end with joy, right? With joy. Hey, you're going to have to endure and be patient. Those both imply that something's going to not be good. You're not going to like it. Plenty to blog about, complain, or emails to send. But you're supposed to do it with the joy. Yeah, you better have some joy, right? Better be nice about it. Oh, really? I want to throw a temper tantrum. You know, you know they, they, they make that, uh, that science fiction cartoony thing about if the genie comes out of the lamp, you get three wishes. I, I kind of wonder sometimes if I got three wishes, if one of them wouldn't be to be like three years old again in aisle six at the grocery store and just throw the worst temper tantrum out. That would just be so much fun, right? And one of the things that would come out, oh, by the way, that's in your future. Good luck. Um, one of the things, the great things that would have come out of that is how pointless and totally ineffective it was. In fact, the last time I saw a three-year-old throw a temper tantrum in aisle six, guess what I did? Nothing. I just walked away. I went to aisle 14. She's far away. Oh, you want to be that person? Nope. Here's the real challenge. When people are feeling like that, when they're feeling up against the wall, they're feeling in crisis, life changed, and they don't like it, or they're hurt or bleeding or whatever it is, one of the real challenge is for us to, with endurance and patience and joy, try to help that person. Dang it, I have to go to aisle six and help someone? That's rough. Giving thanks to the Father. <laughs> We're supposed to thank him for this process, right? This is just good comedy. Or maybe it's not. Giving thanks to the Father. Why? Why would we thank him for this? What? Why would we thank God for this? It sounds difficult and hard and time-consuming. It's going to be absolutely different than my ideal situation. Why would I thank God for that? 
seem to remember something about increasing in knowledge and growing and getting better and doing something good and bearing some fruit. That's what we're thanking him for. He's putting us on a path that actually works. It's not your path. It doesn't always feel perfect. But you're going somewhere, at least. You ever had one of those where somebody tells you, hey, get dressed, be ready at like 9 a.m., wear this kind of clothes, and I'm picking you up. And then you say, what? What do you say? Where are we going? Or, or what are we doing? And they say, it's a surprise. Why do you do that? Why would you get all ready and you shower up, hopefully, and, and you know get dressed and do the whole thing, a little spare change in the pocket. You bring your wallet and your smartphone and, be all, and you're at the door. 8.59. Why are you going? Curious? Of what? You don't know. But you trust the person and you're going to go see. Bam, relationship with the Lord, right there. I just invited you to a relationship with the Lord. Get ready, get dressed, get your stuff on. Be, why, what are we doing? I don't know. Was it gonna be good? Yes, but not always. Well, am I gonna like it? Yes, but not always. Is it gonna make sense? Ultimately, but not sometimes. Well, why would I sign up this? Because at least you're going somewhere. You know who I meet with? I meet with people. I love meeting with people, by the way. I love helping people. Pastoral care is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I, when they're coming out of seminary, they say, you got to have a vision statement, blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, this is like way too organized. I want to be all over the place, right? Which has helped me understand who I am in other ways, which we'll get into some other day. Never. Uh, one, preach. Men's ministry and Pastoral care. That's what I'm doing. Uh, when anybody tries to change my job description from those three things, I say, oh, I'm sorry, you're supposed to be on aisle six. Right? Um, but I love meeting with people uh, at coffee or in my office or somewhere public or whatever, especially if they're going to make a scene. I don't know. But people that are hurting, God has answers. Amen? All of them, when I meet with them, they're not going anywhere. My uh, seminary professor called him stuck. He said, people will come meet with you because they're stuck. Your job is to help them be not stuck. Help them go somewhere. Where's that? I don't know. Sound familiar? We don't know where people are going. I have no idea what God's going to do with each one of you. And amen, that would be too much for me to bear. But I know he wants you to go somewhere and do something. Why? Because I got verses. This is what Paul's talking about. Giving thanks, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Why are we doing all this? Why? Because you're qualified. Wait, I qualified? Like for a loan or something? Or I qualified for school? Or I qualified for my driver's license? That's going on at our house right now. I won't say how well. How'd you get qualified for an inheritance? You got an inheritance with God, right? This is what we're talking about. You're, you, God's got an inheritance for you. That's awesome. Do you know that you're pre-qualified? 
And no, it's not one of those, am I allowed to say stupid? Stupid credit card offer things that you get in the mail all the time. Hey, you're pre-qualified. Join us and we'll charge you like bazillion interest on stuff that you don't need to buy, but you'll be able to buy because now you have, is he qualifying us for something negative? No, he's qualifying us for an inheritance. Ooh, let's find out what that is. But how'd you qualify? How'd you qualify, folks? Oh, Jesus qualified you. Why? He likes you. He does. You know, no matter what anybody else says, he likes you. Now, I, if I asked you, does Jesus love you? You'd be like, yeah, I know he loves me. He died on the cross for me. But do you know that he likes you? He actually likes you. He thinks you're perfect. How do I know? Because he made you that way. He says you're qualified. You know what qualifies you? Jesus Christ and you saying yes. Yep, uh, yep I want to do that. Yep, I'm getting in the car at 9 o'clock. I don't know where we're going. It's going to be awesome. Right? Do a little Brett Favre there. Right? It's going to be awesome. He's uh, given us this inheritance. And watch this, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Ah, now we know what we inherited. What'd you inherit? Kingdom. Who's king? Oh, bummer moment. You're not king, you're not queen. Right? I mean, do we have to talk about Prince Philip just for a second? Nope, buddy, sorry, you're not king. Hey, anytime you go anywhere, you got to be two steps behind the queen. This is your wife, but she's the queen. It, was it 99? Did he make 99? 99 years, and, and probably 70-something of them, he's got to follow the queen two feet behind. Why? Not king. Not your kingdom. Man, that is the kingdom of God for sure. Why? Because I want to be king. I want to be two steps ahead. I want to be the center of attention, the focus. I want the power and the whole thing. God said, nope, not today. That's not how it works. Not ever. But I qualified you. And here's good news. You can get into the kingdom. Gates are open to you. Why? That's what I want. That's what my beloved son wants. Uh, well, last verse, in whom we have redemption. What is that? What is redemption? Being redeemed. Oh, thanks for using the word to define the word. Appreciate that. What does it mean you've been redeemed or that you have redemption? or that Christ redeemed you, or that Christ gave you redemption. Good, have we covered them all now? Right, what does it mean? You were dirty, you were really dirty, shady, right? Now what are you? You're clean in the light. It's the most simple way to think of it. You're, you weren't clean, now you're clean. Is that something you did? You like it? Can you change it? Can someone else change it? No one can change your cleanliness. Why? It's a decision Christ has made about you. And it doesn't matter what anybody says about you. 
And they're going to say it, folks. Trust me. They're going to say stuff about you. That's just the way life is. Uh, redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Folks, the answer was right there. And nobody said it. What's redeemed? What's redemption? Oh, maybe it's those four words that are used by Paul as the definition right after redemption. The forgiveness of sins. You've been made clean. How great is that? Well, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Man, that's just the first half of the chapter. Next week, we're going to find out and learn about Jesus. It's going to be amazing. But what, uh, what I want us to look at this morning is this idea that Paul has said we are qualified for inheritance. What does that mean? And Paul actually lines out kind of a process, an equation, if you will, a path. He says, you know what? Be filled with his will. Filled with his will. Qualified for inheritance means you're, you're, you're knowing his wisdom. You have the opportunity at knowing his, you get to know. You have access to the truth. You can find out. There are answers. And he says, be filled with his will. Be filled with his will. Now, how do you do that? How about you chase truth, stuff that comes from the Bible, Learn from people with experience ahead of you as to real information, real knowledge, and then you apply that knowledge. Applied knowledge is called wisdom. And you start getting the right information in your head. Just because you see it online, is it true? No. Pretty much always, always false. Just because someone said it, is it true? Just because your dad said it to you once 40 years ago, does that mean it's true? No. Just because a teacher said or a coach cut you or whatever, any of that true? No. Where does truth come from? God, period. Jesus Christ, he proved it. He says, now I'm doing stuff. Get in the car. Get in the car. We're going. My dad used to say that to me. All right, forget all that. Just get in the car. Right? There were a couple times he said, hey, we're going to go do something. What are we doing? Uh, it's a prize. I said, I don't know if I want to go. And he said, oh, oh, yeah, we're not doing this. Get in the car. And then we had a blast, okay? But at some point, we have to decide to follow his will. Does that, does that mean going to church? Yeah, it can. Does it mean praying? Yes. Does it mean serving and sacrificing and telling your face? I just wish more Christians' faces knew what they were supposed to look like. We mean there's like a proper eye color or a complexion? No. This right here. Hmm? I just, uh, we got to be happy, joyful people. Why? Because we got a will that we get. And we can know. We can have answers. Verse 9. What does it say? Let me read it. And so forth. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. Pray for what? What are they asking? Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know, I just wish I knew what God was doing. Wait a little bit. What do you mean? You can know exactly what God is doing. In fact, you can know God's will 100% accurate for today. You can absolutely know it with beyond a shadow of a doubt. No questions. No one can change it. No one can even question it. Really? Yeah. Wasn't it just promised in verse 9? Say yes. When does that happen? 
man, this is exciting, Scott. Just give me the answer. Ready? Here it is. Later. When's later? Later. <laughs> Later's later, right? I just, we need a five-year-old to play that game, that talking game. When? Later. When's later? Later. No, but I mean, like, when is later actually later? Could be tonight? I don't know. Could be. Or it could be later, right? How do you 100% know God's will for today and 100% accuracy? Go to sleep and wake up tomorrow. Anything that happened today was God's 100% will. Why? Because we believe in the sovereignty of God, that he is in control of all things at all times without exception. Tomorrow, you will 100% know God's will for today. So, uh, I love this phrase too, sleep like a Calvinist. It's all going to happen anyways. Who knows what's going to happen? And tomorrow you'll know what it is. So today, do whatever you can. It might be within his will. might not be his will or something. He's going to use it no matter what. And just chase it. And then see where the car goes. See what happens. Right? So uh, we're qualified for inheritance means filled with his will. Number two, it means walking his way. Right? Insert song here. Walk his way. Walk his way. No? It's a little different, I think. Let's leave the singing to Bryce. Uh, and so, verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit, every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. What are we supposed to do? Act like it. I love this. Walk his way. It means acting on it. You get all this information, this knowledge, this wisdom, and you get understanding, and you can know his will. Great. What are you going to do about it? What are you willing to try? What have you prayed about in the last week since I last prayed for you or with you? What have you done? Who have you made an effort with? How many times... Have you smiled in the last week? Man, I say that one, folks, because me, I'm, I'm the biggest. I walk around with a stone face. I'm always thinking, right? Distracted, blah, 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 blah. Scott, are you okay? Huh? Oh, yes, I'm good, right? Every once in a while, I'll smile, usually because of a taco. But beyond that, we have to practice it, right? Because practice makes... Perfect, right? So the first one is, is really information. The second one is action. The third one, bearing his fruit. You notice, um, you notice his is in every sentence so far? I just want to make sure we point that out. Bearing his fruit, verse 10 says that you're fully pleasing him, bearing his fruit in every good work. That means we have to accomplish his work. So we got information, we got action, and then we got accomplishments. This is the path, and this is how it works, right? Uh, verse 10 tells us that. And then lastly, uh, drawing strength in his endurance, patience, and joy. Oh, wait, what does that fit in? Well, you got to endure, and you got to be patient. Um, but you're drawing strength from that. Why? Because he's going to strengthen you. I wonder, ooh, this, is, this, is, this might be groundbreaking for some of you. I want God's uh, peace and patience and endurance. I want his strength. I want him to comfort me. Okay. Let's say we all want that. 
How do you get it? How about you try enduring for a little bit? You do it with a little bit of patience. And you make the decision, as my mom always said, you are in control of your emotions. You make the decision to be happy or joyful in your endurance and patience. And watch, watch if that doesn't become one of the ways that God strengthens you. Ooh. My kids come in, something's blown up, they're freaking out. I start freaking out with them. How's that go? Something's blown up, kids come in, they're freaking out, I go calm. Oh, really? Tell me about it. Sounds like something grandma dealt with one time. Grandma's still here. You're going to survive. Right? I'm strengthened, they're calmed. Maybe we got a process here that actually works, right? How do we do it his way? The endurance, patience, and joy. That's what we've inherited. We've inherited access to these things. That's verse 11, by the way. Being strengthened in all power according to his glorious might for endurance, patience, and joy. Then we give thanks. Thanks, God, for that. Because how it felt while you were doing it? No. For how much sense it made during the process? For all the things that failed and you had to change course to get to your destination. Nope. Who do you thank God for? The destination. And your condition and character as you walk through it. Not what you're walking, but how you walk. God is more concerned about who you are than what you do. Thank you, Dr. McCormick. seminary professor cracked my head open and inserted that one in because I fought it man we had some good arguments Uh, I lost them all praise God yeah Uh, folks you got an inheritance your relationship with the Lord and you're qualified amen Uh, what will you do about it because that's Paul's question to Colossae Uh, Timothy agrees. Epaphras has already started. Now it's our turn. Amen? Pray with me. Uh, Dear Lord, help us see and help these people see what are the specific ways, individual ways, we can do it. Rather than expecting the church or somebody else or someone with confidence or someone we looked up to doing it for us, how do we do it? Lord, how do I do it? I thank you for Paul and and how he found his way to do it. Working with churches, writing letters. Thanks, God, so much none of us have to do that. And thanks so much that we can find our own way to do it. I trust, Lord, that you'll show us how that works. Thank you for the offering, Lord, for what we're about to receive. Uh, Pray that you bless it. Help us to be a church uh, like Colossae and yet individual ourselves. And then, Lord, help us to step into, one, our qualification and, two, our inheritance. Help us to walk with you, Lord.
We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. May you enjoy your inheritance. Amen. Go with him.